You're listening to episode 350 of the GNU World Order, and this is Klaatu, your friendly host. I've got, first of all, some listener email to cover, because, uh, one of them has caught a little bug, I would say. Maybe not a bug, but, um, well, maybe it's a bug. Anyway, let's talk about this listener email from Matthias. He says, um, he, he tried, so he opened up a terminal, and he, um, he attempted to navigate to a CUPS interface. So he issues the command w3m localhost colon 631, and it says it can't load localhost colon 631. Tries it again with uh, the numerical address, so that would be the the equivalent of localhost is 127.0.0.1. So he he does w3m 127.0.0.1. Um, colon 631, and uh, essentially the same the same problem. Can't load can't load the address from W3M. Tried it on a couple of different boxes, and it's just not um, doesn't seem to be working. Now, if you do an LP stat E, it shows that the printer exists. It shows that um, that that it can find the the job the, the the spool and everything. So what's going on here? Well, um, turns out I did I did a couple of tests myself because I couldn't quite understand why it wouldn't be working. Obviously, my first thought was, well, maybe maybe Cups isn't running or something like that. Although once like once he got down to the IPP tool, I figured, well, okay, probably is. But let me run some tests. So I tried some tests, and I was able to replicate this problem outside of W3M even with links and e-links and W3M, uh, and it, I got the same the same error couldn't couldn't load that address i think one of them either e-links or links gave me back a little bit more information though and i don't remember the exact um error that it gave me but it gave me something that made me think that it doesn't understand that w3m localhost colon 631 is referring to a, a a location over http so if you try w3m or links or e-links and append your cups address like localhost or 127001 with http colon slash slash then you're good to go it'll it'll find that location and it'll navigate to the little cups site and it works interestingly he discovered also that um lp stat has a different a, a different um abbreviation or a different option depending on what system you're running it on. For instance, apparently Raspbian LP stat dash A and then Debian LP, uh, Debian stretch specifically, LP stat dash E. That was kind of interesting to me. I'm not really sure why that would be exactly, except that I know that Debian is, well, famously conservative in what they update in their distribution. So it could simply be that between, uh, I don't know, CUPS version, I don't know, um, you know, A, and CUPS version B, the option has changed from A to, to da- dash A to dash E or something like that. So I'm not really sure what the what the story is there, and I, I'm not sure how I would necessarily check that. But just you know, the the, the solution to, to LP stat not acting the same on one system to another would be to just to take a real quick look at the man page. I don't think that's I don't think that's that big of a deal. But do be aware that there could be some options that maybe has have have changed or might be different on one system versus another. So thanks Matthias for the for the feedback on that. That's always interesting to see little quirks that none of us quite expected. I mean, retrospectively, I think I, I 
felt like, okay, should have known that the HTTP colon slash slash was necessary. But I think it's it's tricky because you, you can go to other sites with a top-level domain, and it does get automatically detected. So I think it's the removal of that top-level domain that confused the little parser, probably. Okay, so um, know your hosts. So yeah, so today I wanted to talk about the philosophy and culture of bug reporting, which which I think is important. And and I, I know I mentioned this a little bit. I, I sort of I I hinted at it in a previous episode, three forty eight or so. But in this episode, I want to really kind of I want to lay it out. I want to talk about. It. I don't want to talk about how the other side, the closed source stuff, doesn't provide you with abilities to to um to report bugs or to give feedback really aside from going onto a forum and shouting into the void i, I want to talk about kind of the the idea of bug reporting and how it is expected to work and even how it does work so bug reporting i got introduced to it in a in through an in-house bug reporting tool at an old 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 job that i had it was my first i think my first job in computing really and no yeah yeah first first for in like professional software development that sort of level of things um and and there was this you know little tool that you you would launch it was a desktop app actually and it loaded all the bugs and looked at all the the little bug reporters. It was called Radar, I think, if I recall correctly. And you could uh, filter the bugs and look at all the different bug reports and, and so on. And I'd, n- I'd never really heard about bug reporting before. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd heard about it, but I didn't know how sort of... I, I heard about it in the context of, okay, here's here's this open source world, and as a way to contribute to open source. If nothing else, you could always file a bug. That was kind of the mantra. This is around 2006, 2008 time period. And so being face-to-face with a bug reporter, a, a bug reporting tool that I I had access to, the, the back end, and, and I could see all the bugs happening and the progress of the bugs, that was kind of a new experience for me a little in a little bit. Um, I mean, I, I used Bugzilla, so I, I wasn't completely off you know, fresh off the boat here, but I just never had that kind of involvement with a bug reporting tool. And when I say that kind of involvement, I mean, like, you had the bug reporter, the the, the bug reporting client open all day. Like, it was basically, an, it was like your email client, practically. It was open all the time. It was just something you launched in the morning, and it would stay open. And here's what I learned about bug reporting in general. And this, I think, kind of spans, at least in my experience, and it's been limited, uh, because I've only I've only experienced a couple of um, very specific bug reporting instances, but in my experience, a bug report is any issue that you have with software. If you have reason to believe that the bug that you have experienced, the, the if the software has not behaved in the way that you expected it to behave, then that's a bug. Now we also call um, something, for instance, when the software crashes your entire computer and mangles your hard drive a bug not that that can happen but i mean you know what i mean like it doesn't matter if your computer explodes because of a piece of software we would call that a bug and if you just don't like the color of a button we call that a bug so what i'm trying to say is that we have we have the whole spectrum with one little three letter word bug we call it a bug and it can be anywhere on that spectrum it can be something simple that's simply a preference that you have or it can be something detrimental to anyone who ever uses the software. And that's a valid thing 
that that's that's pretty universally acceptable accepted like if you file quote a bug then then anything within that spectrum is fair game and i think for a lot of people for many of us that's a, a difficult thing to sort of come to terms with because you think maybe possibly you think well this doesn't really feel like a bug i think i'm just doing something wrong i think it's just me i don't think it's really a bug with the software but i guess what i'm what I have found in bug reporting is that that interaction between you and the software could have bugs as well. So maybe it isn't a bug in the software. Maybe it is just you. Well, then you're reporting a bug about yourself in relation to that software, and that's okay. Now, I'm not saying that you should file a bug without doing any amount of research on what caused th th that bug. Uh, you know, like if, if you can... If you have the wherewithal, and you don't always, sometimes you're so out of your depth that you just don't even know what to what the problem could be. But if you do, then I think there is um, a time for due diligence before pressing uh, enter on your computer keyboard. You know, when you're where you click, you know, report or whatever. Sometimes, yeah, there's 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 room for a little bit of investigation. So the first principle here is that that the bugs that a bug is anything that occurs that's unexpected and the second principle then is that a bug report is valid but a bug report is also a troubleshooting tool and when i say that i mean that if you've discovered something that that happens that you wouldn't expect in a software and and this has happened to me several times in the past i'll i'll, I'll hunt down the bug report software like whatever it is the website that that uh, an open source project receives their bugs at i hunt that down very often it's in there it's integrated with their git repository these days and so it may not even be called a bug reporting tool it might be called issues in other um in other places it might be called a, a ticket or a support ticket you you file a ticket you open a ticket um you file a bug you open a bug you file an issue you report an issue these are all pretty much the, the same terms for the same idea, which I've already just covered. Um, so if you feel like you need to report something to the developers, then I think one of the one of the benefits to doing that, to my second point here, is that while you're filling out a bug report, you are forcing yourself to repeat the problem. And that's the most valuable bug report of all, is the one that has 100% repeatable results. If you can give someone a recipe for how they too can experience this wonderful bug, then that's that's a perfect bug report. And sometimes that simply means that that simply you know open the open the program look in the upper right corner notice that the green button the the, the stop button is labeled green and in the in the right in, in the left corner the go button is red and i expected the go button to be green and the stop button to be red and i think that's bad bad user experience to confuse those two or maybe it's that the green button has no text whatsoever, and the red button has no text. And you're noticing that because you don't really see color in the same way that many people see color, those two buttons functionally have no difference to you. So you can't tell without some kind of label, you can't tell what those two buttons do. That's a bug. And that's 100% repeatable, right? Like, if you launch the thing and you look in the places that you have described, you'll see those buttons, and they will be the, the, the colors that you have described. Simple. It may be a little bit more complex, such as download the source code. The source code at this at, at, at this commit um, 
number or, or the, uh, this commit hash or, or this release number of the code. Type in dot slash configure dash dash prefix equals slash USR. Observe that it errors out with unknown option prefix. That's a bug. You can't fix it yourself, maybe, um, or maybe you can. I mean, that's even, even even better bug report. If you can if you can prove all of those things are true, plus you know the place in the make file to to open up that option, then you could send them. You could send the developers along with your bug report uh, a fix for for the problem. Say that this this is solved if I put this line into the make file, or you know whatever. I'm just making things up here. And the the great thing about that is that they may they may not agree with your fix. They may think, well, that is a fix, but that's we don't want to put a line in a make file that's been generated automatically. What we really need to do is add a line in the makefile.am file and that'll ripple through to the 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 generated make file. Well, you didn't know that. You you don't know anything about how these things happen. All you know is that when you did the thing, it didn't do the thing. And that's fine. But at least you've and my example might be a little bit convoluted because dot slash configure would actually generate that make file, so I'm not really sure how that would work out. But anyway, you get the idea, right? So a bug report that that is a recipe to reproduce what you have observed is the perfect bug report. And this isn't developers being sort of like, you know, demanding that you prove to them that that's that that what you have observed is is something that you can reproduce necessarily it's not some it's not that they need to, for you to prove to them that you know a lot about computers or anything like that it is simply so that when they look at it they can they can get to the same point that you're at so that they can start investigating the fix whether that fix is oh my gosh yeah that's totally expected that's that's what we wanted to happen or the fix is, oh my gosh, that is a that is a problem. We never tried that in all of our, in, as we were building it or as we were using it, we never thought about that problem as a problem, and and now we see that it is, so we will fix it in this way. Doesn't matter either way. What they need to get started is the the quick path, the fast travel path to where you got stuck, because otherwise they're going to spend half their day trying to get stuck. And then once they do get stuck, then then maybe they'll be able to get around to a fix. It's much faster if they can get straight to that fix right away. So that's a perfect bug report. Now, generally speaking, bug report culture is the idea of collaboration. And that's also, I think, kind of difficult for people to grasp sometimes because to many people, a bug report feels either like you're bothering the developers or like the developers have plotted against you and you're exposing their evil nefarious plans publicly in their bug reporting tool it's one of those two things to a lot of people in the in the first instance you feel like you're bugging the bug reporter you are bothering them you're taking up their time probably because of some stupid problem you've had it's probably your fault and you don't really want to bother them anyway. They're probably very busy people, and they're really smart because they're making these softwares that lots of people are probably using and loving. So it's probably just not that big of a deal. Shouldn't even file it anyway, right? No, you should. And you should observe this more as a friendly interaction rather than you troubling the developers. Because I know like a lot of people, especially when you first get into open source, you, you may hear that 
reporting a bug is a contribution to open source. And that feels a little bit weird because it's it, you feel like well, that's not really a contribution. I'm just bothering the developers. That's not that's not a contribution. That's actually causing problems. But no, it's actually a contribution. It is a collaboration. You are telling the developers whether they know it or not, this is how their software has behaved for you. This is how you interacted with their software. Now, with that with that interaction, with that collaboration, you know, you can you could get a yes, you're right. Let's do something about that, or you can get something else like no, that's not really a problem for me. Like it might be a problem for you, not a problem for me. And sometimes that might be wrong. That might be the wrong quote unquote wrong answer. If if you're looking at a software and there's a green and a red button next to each other, neither of them labeled, both of them square, and you're telling the developers, look, to someone who cannot tell those two colors apart, uh, that's that's bad design. You are you are making your software essentially unusable for these people. If the developer just doesn't care, uh, then then that's that's their answer. It's it's. You know, I think I would argue, and if you were the bug reporter, you'd probably argue as well, that that's not the right answer. It's not a good answer. But if that is their answer, and they're the ones making the change to the code, then that's kind of the answer. It's not It's not a super satisfying experience, unfortunately. That's one of those collaborative experiences that, that doesn't make you think, I, I'd like to come back here and collaborate more later. Yeah, probably not. Um, but but it's a valid thing, right? I mean, that it is a conversation that you can have with someone, and... And depending on who's sort of driving the the ship at that point, that that's who gets to call the shots. And and interestingly, this happens to both developers and to you know quote unquote normal users like you and me. Uh, what, what, you know, I've I've caught bugs in softwares before, and I have submitted patches, and they have come back to me and said that's not really a problem for us, and so we're not going to integrate your your fix. Because we don't think it's broken, I, I differ. I, I thought that it was broken, and I didn't like how it behaved. But to their, in their view, that's exactly how they wanted it to behave, or or that was good enough for them, and so they just ignored the patch. In other times, they've taken the patch, but or they rather they've taken the spirit of the patch, but they've rewritten it themselves, and that's a completely valid thing. So whether you you know how to develop or not, it doesn't really have any bearing on sort of the efficacy of your bug report. A bug report is subject to to a lot of different views sometimes. And those views aren't necessarily based in technology all the time. I mean, sometimes it is. So, sometimes it's just a question of, well, yes, I see that that you you might argue that that would be the better way to perform that action, but I decide that that is not something I want to do. And there are lots of different reasons. Developers don't always necessarily express the reasons clearly. I mean, sometimes the users don't either. It is a form of communication and collaboration, so it, it, it's subject to all the same kinds of misunderstandings as all other forms of communications are subject to. And certainly, if 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 some you know if, if there's a a better way to to express something in a programming language, you might think that that's a perfectly valid reason to change a line in code and you might file that as a bug report. But if the developer has something else in mind, and they think, well, I see how this obscure expression is cleaner and more succinct than this other way that I've done it, but I feel like it is less comprehensible to people who are going to have to maintain this software later, or for people I hope will be reading my code later and sort of start 
participating in maintaining it with me, and so I'm not going to use this, this other method that you've proposed. And while you could argue quite validly that that's not the technically correct thing to decide upon, that that's not the correct choice, it, it still could be the correct choice for, for that developer, for their purposes. And that's, that's how bug reports go, that's how communication happens, and that's okay. Now the other thing that people, I think, sometimes think of a bug report as is, is kind of, yeah, like, escalation. Like, the software hasn't, is, is not working for you on your computer right now, and so now you've gotten really angry, and you're going to take it straight to upper management. And your only path to to the to the upper management of this software is the bug reporter. And so you're going to file an issue or a bug or a ticket, and you're going to let this person know how horrible their coding skills are and how broken their code is, and so on. And once again, that's kind of it's it is a form of communication, but it's probably not the optimal form of communication, and it is not one that that encourages or inspires. A quick fix. It doesn't inspire collaboration. It doesn't inspire. Um, well, it doesn't inspire. It, it just brings people down. And so, before ever filing a, an angry bug, if if you're filing a bug in anger, then uh, you definitely want to kind of back up to that step two, where the bug report is your chance to troubleshoot. And you kind of want to back up to that step and make sure that while you're reporting the bug, you are providing information that is useful to fixing the bug. And anything beyond that, it doesn't necessarily have any kind of real necessity in the message. So for instance, if there's some software out there that uh, builds on uh, let's say Mac OS and BSD, but flagrantly ignores the Linux platform, then you might get pretty angry at that as a Linux user. And similarly, if there's a software application out there that builds for Linux uh, and, I don't know, let's say Windows, but not for BSD and, and not for Mac, certainly, um, then you might get angry at that if you're a, a BSD user. And it's a valid thing, right? I mean, the software seems like it ought to work. Most of the code is completely usable on any platform. It's just this stupid little thing right here in their in their build process that that makes it not possible to to build correctly or or it's their choice in the widget set like what were they thinking choosing that widget set instead of something sane like cute uh, and so on so you've got issues with the way uh, some choices that have been made and while those are valid issues you have valid feelings about that it's not necessarily useful to fixing the bug to to point out that the decision itself, the choice itself, was a poor one. So for instance, you can tell someone that it was a stupid choice for them not to use your favorite widget set because it prevents the correct hardware abstraction required to access that peripheral. And what a dumb choice that was. Or maybe that wasn't even a dumb choice. Maybe you believe that it might have even been maliciously made, like deliberately excluding this whole segment of the quote-unquote market. And you may be right. Like, we don't know, right? I mean, we don't know what was going through the head of the developer at the time. But either way, that's not going to fix the problem. So concentrating on on results is really important on the bug reporting process, I think. Because while, while all the feelings around all of this are perfectly valid and we'll never know the true story, it also 
literally does not help fix the problem, right? It doesn't matter why the wrong widget set was chosen or why why the wrong framework was chosen. Uh, the point is that it that it was chosen, and so now let's talk about what our options are from this point on. Is is the only solution to change frameworks? I mean, that's a pretty big. It's a big task, so it might not happen realistically, and yet it still may be an issue, a, a, a choice, right? It might still be an option. Uh, and then maybe another option is, uh, I don't know, some kind of um, interstitial code to make that framework uh, recognize the thing that it doesn't recognize, or, or something like that, I don't know, an extra dependency or something. So maybe that's the second option. So really, the fix is going to come from one of these two things. It's not going to come from exposing the developer as... Um, a hater of this or that platform. It's not going to come from deriding the developer's choice in platform or, or whatever. It's going to happen from these two result, one of these two results. These are just made up examples, but you get the idea. The, the bug reporting process is all about collaboration. And collaboration really, I think the very meaning of the word means that you're, you're laboring towards something together. And debating something doesn't really get towards a solution. The solution is all about what can be done to fix the problem, maybe debating the virtues of both of the, you know, the, the different options on the table, but, but limit the conversation to that. Limit, limit the conversation to the solution rather than to really anything else, because um, bug reporting is mostly purely functional. It is a purely functional activity. You don't file a bug just to say hi. You file a bug to report some kind of interaction that you have had with software that needs to be fixed. Concentrate on the collaborative nature of bug reporting. Now interestingly, and almost counter to what I have just talked about for 10 minutes or whatever it's been, um, the fourth principle is that bug reporting is also a task management system. And this is something that surprised me when I was working at, um, at this company where I was initially introduced to sort of formalized, actual big business bug reporting. It turns out, I realized, bug reporting, while it is communication with a developer, it is also a way for a development team to coordinate amongst themselves and amazingly, to future contributors, people who don't even yet exist on their team. It's a way for those, for all of those people to coordinate how a fix is going to occur. And this is something that I wish I could see in, in many, many other industries. Like, this should be all over the place. And it's, it's almost amazing to me that bug reporting isn't more of a thing. And I guess, I mean, like I say, I've got a limited scope. You know, I've got multimedia which has no concept of bug reporting. And I've got, I should say, content creation, right? There's no sense of bug reporting in content creation. And I've got software or slash IT. And, and that obviously has a, a very strong sense of either bug reporting or ticket support um, or issue, issue reports nowadays as well. So you, you've got a pretty strong sense of that the, of, in those two industries. And I would, I would, I, feel like I would love to see this this concept of, of record keeping and task assignment and task resolution in other industries, because I think it could be huge. I really do. I think it could be a big, big deal for other industries. Just the simple idea that if you need something done, 
then you write it down and you put it on a you, you put it on a post-it note and you put it on a wall and then you've got that thing recorded now if someone wanders by and they see something that needs to get done then they could claim that post-it note they could put their little sticker on it or something or their mark on it and they could go accomplish that task and when the task is finished they could bring it back hang it off of that post-it note or put that post-it note on it whatever and, and then it's done the the ticket is closed now there's a little known sort of i guess tradition in uh, at least open source bug reporting that if you've opened a bug report then you are also the sort of the only person who can close the bug report that's not strictly true there are there are cycles um, for instance, if you report a bug to Fedora, the Fedora project, then when it gets reported, it goes into the Bugzilla system at Red Hat. And for the, the life cycle of Fedora, which is just a, the briefest of a moment, just a little blip in the greater scheme of things, for that cycle, that bug is active. And if it gets fixed during that cycle, then great, you, you probably will see the fix, such as the, such as the development tradition of, of Fedora, to be honest. They, they fix things and then they push it. So you very frequently actually see the fix. And, and that's kind of one of the beauties of Fedora, is that that, that rapid development, you, you could file and see the resolution all within, within you know, a year or something. Now other times the fix doesn't get done, it doesn't, it doesn't happen, and one of two things can happen. Either the bug gets grandfathered into the next cycle, or it gets closed because maybe something has supplanted it anyway. So if you've if you had filed a bug uh, on on the Foo subsystem, and it turns out that Foo is no longer shipping with Fedora, um, you know, eighty three, because it's been replaced by Bar, then the the bug gets closed because that's no longer relevant to Fedora. But if you file a bug with lots of other projects, then they may comment on it and say, well, yeah, that's, um, I don't know, that's not a bug. It's, it's actually meant to do that, so we won't fix it. And then they may propose that the bug is closed. But if you opened that bug, you could reopen that bug and say, okay, well, you say it's supposed to happen like that, but the button itself says the exact opposite. When I click that button that's labeled stop, it actually goes instead of stops. So maybe there needs to be a new bug about the, the text on the button, if not the function of the button. Something like that. Um, or, or maybe they can, maybe they'll propose that the bug is closed, um, and, and then they'll just let you be the one to close it. That, that definitely happens sometimes as well. They, they usually, they tend to ping you in some way, either by email or, or there in the bug reporting tool, which may be hooked up to an email system to, to send out reports to you on a regular basis. And, and you are expected to go back into the bug tracker and, and analyze the problem and the solution and mark it solved if it is solved. It's just like if you've ever used a support forum, a, a well-organized support forum, there's a solution, you know, you, you're supposed to mark something solved so that people know to, that they don't have to, to keep looking at that bug. And that's an important part of, of bug reporting. Now, there's, there are plenty of times where people have reported bugs and then just kind of wandered off. And I mean, that happens. That does happen. Bugs will get closed without the person's interaction after maybe a certain amount of time, for instance. That's, that's life. I don't think that's, I think that's probably happened to us all. And I think that's acceptable. I think in an ideal world, the person who opened the bug would also be able to verify that it has been fixed. Certainly in a 
in a structured environment where you're paid to be a QA person, that's exactly how it would always happen. It doesn't always happen like that in real life, though, so that, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to happen that way. But ideally, that would be the, the flow of it. And I think that's it's a brilliant, brilliant little scheme that's just so perfectly designed. It's so simple and yet so perfect because the nature of a bug, especially an open source bug tracker, but even to a, to a degree, any bug tracker, you know, it doesn't even have to be on the internet. It could just be a system by which problems or, or issues rather are recorded and then they are worked upon and any work that got put in toward that issue is recorded there. And so the sort of the lifespan of that issue is is on record. And if someone goes away, that's fine. Someone else can inherit that bug. That's a huge part of a bug tracker, is that the the work getting done toward a solution for that issue is is tracked on w- within that bug. It's updated every day. At the end of every day, after you've worked on something, you, you update that bug. It's partly for yourself, honestly, just to keep yourself on track, so you remember after the, the weekend where you left off on Friday, and, or, or it's to help you keep track of the decisions that you have made in your attempts to, to getting this bug fixed. Uh, it's also a place to, to continue to communicate with the person who reported the bug and so on. So that's partly for yourself. But it's also if, if you leave the, the organization and someone else comes in, then they may inherit that bug from you, and then they'll be able to see the whole process, and they can take over that task. And if someone brand new comes on board and sees the bug and knows more about the solution than you do, then they're able to solve that that bug and then they can they can propose the the fix or they can implement the fix and propose that it's closed or whatever so it's this dynamic kind of task system whereby anyone with permission to see the 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 things that need to be done can chip in and do it and that's one of the greatest i think contributions of of software development that 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 it has had to offer and this might not have started with software development i really don't know i don't know the history of this sort of thing but from my point of view, it's definitely one thing that has popularized it. And that system, I feel, could be absolutely invaluable for so many different industries. I mean, even in multimedia, I could see how that would be uh, an absolute key principle in organizing, uh, for instance, an, an independent work of art. Something where you're a small team, you don't have a bunch of money to outsource a bunch of tasks but you have a task board and you have a, a flow of people willing to help. And I say a flow because a lot of times in independent art, that is what you have. You have people who come in, they're eager to help for just as long as it takes for them to get their next gig, their next paying gig. But once they start getting paid, they're going to disappear because that's they got to live. They got to they gotta do something. So they'll help for free until they get paid. Or whatever the scenario might be, maybe you're maybe you got a little bit of funding, and maybe you're paying some people, so they're able to take a pay cut and help you out. But then they're going to leave, you know, whatever you can imagine. Just a task board of of things that need to get done for this project would be huge for a collaboration because there are so many projects out there that have no sense of uh, tracking how the different components that they need in order to make this big bigger thing. They, they don't know how those are going to get taken care of individually, nor do they have a platform to organize that, to make that actually a, a, a usable thing to lots of different people. I can, I can just kind of imagine, really, a, a public-facing AGPL, of course, uh, bug tracking tool that is 
friendly to to a broad scope of, of industries. Maybe it would be customizable to the, each industry or something. And people could um, use that for for tracking tasks and projects. And I think to some degree some of the Kanban stuff out there lately has to some degree become that. It's kind of this weird sort of bug tracker slash project management tool that that to some degree works there i think there are permission problems there that no one has really thought to to quite yeah i'm not sure that the that it was designed for the way that it's being used necessarily but i i have definitely seen people using kanban boards um for for this sort of thing i mean and it is valid to do that i'm just saying that in terms of being a industry across industry kind of um, robust tool I don't know that what exists right now is exactly what people actually need but it's probably pretty darn close and and anyway that's it, it's a great little tool for task management and uh, certainly at the job where I sort of first got trained on how to sort of be a good bug citizen good bug client citizen bug reporting citizen uh, one of the the quirks of the bugs, uh, the the bug reporting tool was literally that people would use it for personal tasks as well. So you would literally see a software developer with you know um, I don't know fix the the compile script for for this application, change out the red widget for the green widget, buy milk, um, fix the you know change the lang- optimize the language in in this class file. And and you're you're looking at those things. You buy milk. Yeah, they they'll literally file bugs for themselves so that they remember to do daily tasks that that they have to do for real life. Um, and it was kind of funny to see that sort of thing, but but totally legitimate because that's how powerful bug reporting can be. It's a thing where you've got a to do list, and uh, when you do the list, you close the bug, or when you do the item, you close the bug, and your list gets smaller and smaller and smaller, and then the next day it gets replenished. You got a whole new set of tasks. That's bug reporting. That's how it's done, and that's why it's done, and that's how things get fixed. It's a really, really efficient method of working. I'm not saying it's the only way of working. I'm not saying it's the last way we'll ever have to work efficiently. There might be something better out there. There might be something different that other people prefer to to bug reporting. You know, a different system, a different way to visualize things, certainly like I said, the Kanban boards that, that seem to be kind of popular now, that 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 seems to be a thing. People seem to be pretty f- um, comfortable with that model, sort of the moving a, 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 a digital card from the left of the screen to the right of the screen as they progress through through different stages that they need to get to that they need to get through in order to be done. Um, although again, realistically, I don't see people actually using Kanban in that way anymore. Uh, I mean, I, sure, I see people using it that way, but I'm saying that the general public, now that they've discovered what Kanban is, whether they know the term Kanban or not, or just the brand name of the website, um, I don't see people doing it in a Kanban method. I, I see them, at least not the, the Kanban that I was sort of taught. Um, it's not a progression. It's more of like, well, here's a list of things that I need to do. Here's another list of other things that I need to do. And when they're done with them, they simply archive the card or delete the card or, you know, whatever, or maybe put it in a different list of tasks that they've done. So that is kind of, that's something that I've noticed. Um, and certainly the, you know, with, with Kanban, I don't, I haven't seen yet a system uh, of Kanban that's, that's really designed for um, kind of 
keeping record of, of what steps have been taken. I mean, there, there are oftentimes note fields and things like that, comment fields, but it's not quite, I wouldn't say it was quite like a, a bug reporting system. Either way, the principle is the same, and the principle is an important one, and that is that issues and communications about a topic can be recorded and placed in a common location so that many eyes can see them, and then contribution can be encouraged from all of those people who have seen the issue. Potentially, someone can fix that issue, and everyone benefits. It's it's one of those things that is very, very closely related to open source. I mean, it's important not to conflate the two. Bug reporting is not open source. Open source is not bug reporting. I mean, some bug reporters are open source, but I'm saying the process is not necessarily open source. You can have a bug reporter, a bug reporting system in a in a completely isolated system that no one will ever see, but you're using it just for you know yourself or for you and some other person, a couple of other people, whatever. So it's not necessarily the same. I'm just saying that because open source has open bug trackers, it makes it a very powerful system for a lot of contribution, a lot of collaboration, a lot of communication. And when there's that, there's that many people communicating and collaborating, sometimes there are, there, there are really fun potentials for misunderstandings and arguments and debates and so on. And I think that the, the cleverest thing to do is just to keep in mind that the point of a bug report is to find a solution. And if that solution sometimes does not align with what you imagined the solution would be, that's okay. That's to be expected. It's not that you have failed. It's not that they've rejected you. It's simply that for whatever reason, they don't agree with your assessment of the of either the problem or the solution or both. And that's okay. That's part of the communication process. Sometimes you agree to disagree. Either way, a bug report has existed. It has been filed. It has been made known. It has been either resolved or closed as not resolved or fixed or not fixed or judged not to have been a bug in the first place, whatever the case, it's an important part of the process. It's a powerful part of the process. And I think we should promote it as something that is really, really important to both open source and to collaboration and to learning, to shared knowledge, to task management, to efficiency, all those things, all those virtuous things that that I think a lot of us in in the computer world and in the open source world, certainly, kind of tend to like. So that's that's bugs. That's everything I have to say about bugs. I hope this has been somewhat informative and enlightening and has made you think about what those all those bug reports are and why they exist and how you might be able to get on on the fun. So thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next week. listening to the GNU World Order AugCast. This has been Klaatu. You can reach me on IRC. I'm on the Freenode network usually in channels such as AugCast Planet, Slacker Media, Slackware, a couple of others. My nick on IRC is not Klaatu. You can also reach me lately on Mastodon. My username there is at Klaatu at Mastodon.xyz. Of course, you can email me at klatu at member.fsf.org. That's klatu at member.fsf, as in free software foundation.org. 
And of course, you can visit my various websites, gnuworldorder.info and slackermedia.info. I will see you next time.